You're on the Plants Grow Here podcast. I'm Daniel Fuller. Come along with me as we enter a hidden world of deep horticultural, ecological and landscape gardening knowledge with featured experts, industry professionals and enthusiasts. What would it be like to grow flowers as your job? Floriculture is a specific branch of horticulture that focuses on the cultivation of flowers, usually for ornamental purposes. Whereas a florist works with flower arrangements and the retail aspect of the commercial flower trade, a floriculturist is the farmer growing them. Alana Reeves owns and operates a small flower farm just outside of Bathurst, New South Wales, called Dunkeld Farm, where she specialises in growing wild, natural seasonal blooms in accordance with biodynamic and regenerative values. In this episode, we talk about her small local farm, what she does each season, and the human element within horticulture. Welcome to the show, Alana. Oh, thank you. It's going to be fun. Can you start the episode off by telling us about Dunkeld Farm? Uh, yes, uh, just a small micro farm. Uh, we grow cup flowers, open air cup flowers, about 20 different varieties. Everything at the moment is just grown as an annual. I don't have a lot of perennials in. Our climate here is pretty cold in winter, so yeah, I think annuals just at the moment till I um, decide if I want to go more perennials. So mm. we're seasonal, so which I don't mind. Um, everyone likes winter off, so. <laughs> <laughs> so you're just chilling at the moment. Yeah, um, I often put co- cover crops in, so there's always something growing in winter, but just not cut flowers okay can you tell us about your customers like what sort of a person would buy from Dunkeld farm um so i usually supply the general public so i class my business as more of a farmer florist so it's like Mm. direct so i don't use agents or other wholesalers and stuff like that so obviously I'll supply other florists, especially freelancers, if if they like approach me and ask. But generally it's it's straight to the consumer and then I sell to some local IGAs and uh, cafes and stuff like that. So, yeah, so the farmer florist part I guess is what what we are. So how I found you was that, Mivgus at the yeah. Melbourne International Flower and Garden Show, but you're also quite active on social media. Is that where you mainly find your customers? Uh, I guess that's my main form of marketing. Mm. Uh, the only thing I find, obviously, with that is it's so broad, which means a lot of the people that follow me aren't necessarily local. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's the only thing I think with social media is that, yeah, your target audience is it's sometimes a bit harder to to attract because mm-hmm. it, well, it's not hard to control. But, um, yeah, it's just I probably need to, uh, like I do farmer's markets and stuff and that's a better way of connecting and um, getting your name out there within the local community, just right. stuff like that, yeah. That makes a lot of sense. So 
you mentioned that you've got sort of annuals and you mentioned that you've got, they're, they're all cut flowers, they're all annual flowers. Can you tell us about like, what do you offer in terms of like, are you just selling single flowers? Are you selling them in bunches or what What sort of seems to be the the things that sell for you? Uh, the mixed bouquets. So we, I try to do like different cafes offer different things as well. So I like to think everyone should be able to afford flowers. So we might do certain flowers for different cafes and then leave um, more my boutique or my, you know, extra special varieties for uh, orders for, you know, um, for, for customers that ring direct, parties, birthdays, weddings, stuff like that. So I think another interesting question besides who do you help, like, or what do you offer and who do you serve? Another interesting question is who do you not serve and what do you not <laughs> offer? Um, <laughs> maybe I shouldn't say, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, well, I don't grow natives um, as yeah. a general. I d- uh, like I have a few um, silver dollar eucalyptus in, but that's about it. Oh, Billy, but like the odd few, but I, I'm not classed as a native grower. So if someone would call me and, you know, wanted this lush native arrangement, I'd probably be like, oh, sorry, mate, maybe ring, you know, Stony Creek because that's not what I do. And I will not do preserved flowers. I don't really like dried, like that's just not my thing. So no one asks. Um, <laughs> what I won't do. Um, it's not much. I, as long as things, I guess, align with my views and my ideas, I'll, I, I, I do enjoy helping people, you know, and getting what they want and stuff. But, um, right. Yeah, I don't do big weddings, stuff like that. Um. Yeah, I guess I haven't had many people approach me on wild requests either, so it's hard to say, isn't it? Hmm. But if you get someone who requests something with enough time, like if they give you a season, will you actually plant that for them and grow it for them? Yes. If they put yeah. in a big enough order, you will. Yeah, definitely. Cool. And there's a few um, florists out west and they get stuff all the way from Sydney, which is insane. So if they hit contact me early enough, I definitely plan around them because I think it's a nice, I like to work in with that and why not? You know, if they if it's my planning stage, I'd prefer to grow something people want, you know, than just grow something and hope someone wants it. So that's pretty yes. handy. But obviously in the flower, like when you're trying to get people to buy local and seasonal, it's more you want to steer them towards maybe a colour palette than a, a particular uh-huh. flower. Yeah. I think that that's probably most people who are buying flowers anyway these days, would you say? Yeah. I think there is some people like that are hellbent, you know, on like roses for weddings and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But, again, I've been quite lucky and people that um, tend to attract to me are usually pretty cash. I think Mm because I grow a lot of old heirloom varieties and I think a lot of people um, like that kind of wild 
cottage look. So people are more even just attracted to the that whole look than just a colour palette or a variety. So yeah, I've been pretty lucky. I haven't I haven't said no to anyone that I can remember. <laughs> What do they so, say? Your vibe attracts your tribe? Yeah, I think that's true. And that's obviously stood out more with the flowers. So, yeah, I think so, which is good. I'm obviously marketing myself appropriately. <laughs> well, if you can continue to do it, how many years did you say the farm's been running? Three years, did you say? Uh, no, nearly six. Six years, yeah, because yeah. you were doing it for a few years before you quit your yeah, job, right? Yeah. So that's that's a long time to keep a farm going. Like, like yeah. to be honest, like how how stressful is that running a farm? Um. So I don't usually have staff. I sometimes get people in to help, uh, like weddings and stuff. But it is. I um. I have two young kids, so. Obviously, they were young. I think Henry was six months old when I started. So, um, yeah, it is, but I try not to put too much pressure on myself, especially since a lot of it, you know, we rely on the weather, which is huge. So there's actually a lot out of your control. So I try to focus on the things I can control um, and I, I, and I try to work on jobs that make life a bit quicker and easier and stuff like that. It's what I focus on, Not try not to focus on the mm. stuff I can't control and just try and I guess because I've been doing it for a while now, I've got like a bit of a program that gets me by a lot quicker now and harvesting. I've got a cool room, so I feel that buys me a bit of time when it's hot and stuff like that. So... Yeah, I don't know. I just do it. <laughs> just do it. That's just crazy. It. That's awesome. Yeah, my poor kids. <laughs> <laughs> so, Alana, I've got a question here for you. I think this is going to be a fun one. Mm-hmm. What's the secret to growing really great flowers? Good soil. Good hmm. soil. I think we all can agree on that one. I think. I think so. I think your soil is is definitely the backbone of your business. Um, but, mate, you want it, like, you just need to grow a good, healthy plant and then it's going to be a bit more yeah, resilient to pests and disease. Um, I had a lot of hail the start of Christmas. I think, um, like, a, a healthier plant will come back a bit easier from stuff like that than a weak plant, you know. I grow everything myself from seed, which, again, is another job in itself. It's nearly a different field, really. Um, but I just think it grows a plant more suitable for my climate, transitions better. Mm. Well, I know what's in it, what's in the soil mix. Yeah, I just I, I like it. So it's actually quite a fun part and I never get – it never gets old seeing um, seeds germinate. It's always exciting. So yes. It's very fun. It's hard. It's probably not my strongest point, but I've definitely improved. You know, I'm always working on um, improving my seedling mix because, again, soil's what is the backbone. So, um, yeah, 
do stuff like that. I save my own seeds, stuff like that. Yeah. That's cool. So what is the secret to a good seedling mix, a good little potting mix for seedlings? Um, it's just got to have, I think, enough drainage. It can't be tight. You can't compact it like a lot of people will because you might use your seedling mix a bit damp. You don't want to compact it. The, root, the little roots need room to grow, to spread out and around. It needs a bit of nutrients. It definitely needs moisture and light. So I guess if you can tick uh-huh. all that, because um, I'm quite cold here, everything's in a like in a hot house. But I even add an extra um, frost cover, um, an extra layer, because I know a lot of people don't like to start seedlings around here because it's so cold but I find I can manage I don't have a heater in it but I just manage with the extra layer god when I first started I would bring I didn't have a very good hothouse and I would bring all the seedlings and put them in my cool room like obviously not on but oh what a job every night so I definitely appreciate having better tools definitely makes life easier yeah, no doubt. Okay, so now we've grown the flowers. You know, you, you're getting them ready. You're cutting them off the plant. How do you prepare your flowers before they're ready to go to market? Um, so I I like to harvest as early as possible in the mornings because it's when the plant's the most hydrated, um, straight into a bucket of water. I do have the luxury of a cool room. You don't have to have a cool room. Flowers can be fine in water just out of the sun I like to go early and I just put a little bit of sugar in the water just electrolytes for the flowers I suppose and I do like them Mm. to rest I try not to harvest and then arrange or wrap flowers I like to have them rest and um, so they can have a good drink I just find they last better. Some stems have to be prepared like um, you might burn the ends with a blowtorch or hot water, things that are often poor drinkers, um, stuff with like, you know, you see a stem and they're hollow, like a poppy or a dahlia. I usually um, will do them in hot water. Just a quick mm-hmm. dip. But, yeah, I think the resting is important and cutting them at an appropriate time when they're not, like, you know, I don't harvest in the guts of the day. It's too hot. Yeah, no doubt. And is that because the flowers will dry out or the flowers and the plant will dry out? Yeah, I, mainly the flowers. The plant plants yep. never look good. That's a little tip. Don't look at your garden <laughs> in the guts of the day because you'll just be, like, horrified. So always look at them in the morning or late in the arvo and you're like, oh, yay, I'm doing something right. Don't look (laughs) at them in the guts of the day because you want to cry some days. So, yeah, so I'll do that. So I often get up really early, do that, then I'll do the kid thing, the school run, and then um, start deliveries after, like wrapping and deliveries after that. Or I try to get as much done in the morning to take to town so I'm not – doing too many runs in a day Mm -hmm. so that would make for pretty early mornings before the school run then yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) 
but it's nice and warm and it's, you know, they like saving suns up. It's, it's a nice time of day and it's also quiet. You can hear the animals and the, the bugs and birds. So it's pretty nice really. Yeah. So let's move on to the seasons now. Now, obviously you mentioned that the seasons play a pretty big role in your line of work. Can we start with what does spring look like for you? Uh, so spring, so the end of winter, spring is when I um, start loading up the hothouse. So now I've started already, um, which is a bit of a gradual procedure too because I succession plant. Some things will be planted maybe three or four times over my whole growing period. Some things will be once. Um, but now because I look at planting, say, mid-October, now's a like a big flush that I'll do and get a fair few of the seedlings sown and in the hothouse ready to go. So at the moment, um, just preparing the beds, um, they're getting all tarped. Probably should have done that earlier, but uh, we've had heaps of rain and I don't like to touch my soil when it's wet. Uh-huh. So definitely no, nothing heavy on it. It just compacts it and you need air. Mm. You don't want it tight. So, yeah, I'm really weird about that. Just You just don't touch wet soil if you can help it. So, um, yeah, so that's what I'm doing now. So then, yeah, come October is when a lot of things will get planted out. Um, dahlia tubers, they're being dug up and divided and they've been um, stored. So they'll go in more the start of November. We often use um, Melbourne Cup as a planting date around here. So Melbourne Cup's like tomatoes and dahlias and stuff like that. Yeah, so so then because I'm annual and quite a short season, it's pretty much just hell for leather. Everything gets in and gets going pretty quick. Like I've got to just hit it. I can't um, gin around too much if that makes sense, because my growing period's not as long as other people. Because it's a bit colder, you're not going to get that whole season of warmth. No, exactly, and and some things take a while to get going. I think like last year we had quite a mild lead up to Christmas and I felt like my whole season was behind like two weeks because there was just no heat. Mm. And then we got all right. hail and whatnot, but. Yeah, heat is important, just not too hot. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, that's probably the – and that's probably why a lot of people don't grow around here because the season's so short. Mm. So that's just left a gap in the market. Yeah. Like I said, I've just got to go hard and fast and, yeah, if that makes sense. Mm. I should mention as well, today's the 10th of August. So we're recording on the 10th of August today and we'll probably release it in a few weeks, maybe even probably a little bit longer than a month because I usually like to sit on four to eight episodes at a time. Oh, yeah, cool. Might as well. Back up. (laughs) Well, I I actually got down to two episodes recently and I started panicking. (laughs) (laughs) So then I booked in eight this week. Um, Do you talk to, (laughs) have you spoke to any other flower growers? No, you're the first flower grower I've actually talked oh, cool. to seriously. Other people grow flowers, but I wouldn't say that they're 
This will be the floriculture episode. Uh, yep, yep. Hmm. Yeah, cool. Oh, well, hopefully I've been a bit helpful. I, I think so. I hope so. Hey, what did you think of the Melbourne show? Did you get much inspo from there? It was crazy. I got heaps of inspo. Oh, good. It was, I mean, I got so much to say about it. I was in the career tent. <laughs> um, got well, so much I'm a podcaster. <laughs> I was in the career hub for a while there for three of the days, and that was awesome just seeing oh, like people walking past thinking like, oh, I hate my job. Maybe I should become a car. Maybe I should become a car. And I was like, that's what I did. I was in sales 10 years ago. Oh, what did you sell? Uh, printer contracts for business to business. And that was no fun. And then my buddy who was a lands who had a landscape business said, Oh, well come and work for me. So I quit my job and then turned up at his place. And then that morning he goes, Oh, sorry, mate, no work. Oh, you find another job. So I was like, Oh, righto. So then I just got a mowing job and yep. anyway, the rest is history. I sort of never left horticulture after that. Why? Um, why the podcast? Well, we built my wife's business, yep. the online thing that I said, yep. that I told you about, and then I was just, you know, staying up late nights with her dreaming and just talking about, you know, what are we going to do with our lives? Yeah. And then I was like, how am I going to progress in my horticulture career? Because mm-hmm. I was like, I don't want to start a business, yep. like a landscape business, not really. There's way too many overheads yeah. for me. Yeah, and a lot of competition, hey, type things. So much competition. Mm. Not saying that someone else shouldn't do it, but it's just not my personality either. Yep. Like I was good in a team leader role, but I always liked having the boss there who was the one who was doing all the accounts and all the rest uh, and yes. chasing up clients mm. and all that sort of stuff. I was like, that's not for me because so, yep. a couple of bosses mentored me because that's what I thought I wanted to do. Uh, yep. And then in the end, I was like, it's not for me. I'm just, it's just not my personality. Yep. And I was like, management, I tried my hand at that. I was like, nah. I don't want to manage because I managed a team of 20 people in a depot there for like three months. And I was like, nah, that's not for me either. It's just not my skill set. So I think in the end it was just like, well, I always, I I just always like talking about things. So I was like, and also there's a gap in the horticulture podcasting market. Like there's lots for home gardeners, not a whole lot. But she in Australia, don't you reckon? I reckon. Yeah. We got all the dirt and we got a couple of good ones, but um, we got Sabrina's Dirty Deeds and a few good ones. But I just thought. (laughs) What I'm doing is different. different. Like yeah. I wanted to hear what I'm doing yep. and I just couldn't hear it. Oh, I get you. Yeah. Well, that's <laughs> it. But that's why not then? Hey, why not start one then? Well, that's what I thought. I thought if no one else wants to do it, I'll do it because yeah, I was I'll really <laughs> interested in podcasting. Yeah. Yeah, right exactly. Yeah, good. I even remember where I first had the idea. It was at our favourite cafe. and You've probably never been there, but it's Canteen. It's on the Yarra River. Oh, no. Um, near South Yarra or mm-hmm. in South Yarra. Yeah. And we're just walking along the river and looking at these giant big Carimbia maculatas. And I'm sort of going like, what about a podcast? Yeah. She's like, oh, yeah. Yeah. It's <laughs> like, I keep trying to search for this podcast I want to listen to, but it doesn't exist. Yeah. Why don't I just make it. Yeah. Well, that's <laughs> it. Because if you're after it, there's a good chance someone else is. So. Yeah. Well, good. Well, it- that's what people have told me. They've said, oh, it's good to hear Australian horticulture being talked about i feel like it's it doesn't get look like when i branch into the soil world i feel like you know the graziers and that i like the leaders and everyone kind of looks at them mm. as the farmers and stuff like that when it's like oi oi over here like yes. other other people other farmers are contributing as well that's so true mm. i feel like 
and not and not just flower farmers, just horticulture more. I, I feel like we get a bit left out, the growers too, because we're not necessarily, oh, well, we are, but it's like ag. A lot of people don't look at growers in the ag world, if that makes sense. People just think cows, sheep, yeah. stock, wheat, stuff like that. Yeah. So, and then the horticulture, I think a lot of people think more landscaping and stuff like mm-hmm. that. So the sad thing is like, I think a lot of people just hate farmers. Like they just seem to be on this vendetta. They just think that farmers want to poison them and yeah. they want to destroy the environment. They only want to make a quick buck. And that's yeah. just not been my experience. No. And I think um, the gap's too big now. And that's what I felt was important Right. Um, with my business of cutting out agents. I think the whole, the magic gets lost as well. And then the respect of the farmer, like when I worked in the big farm, like it was all manual labour, like we would cut 20 tonne of cabbage a day with a machete and then we would throw, literally throw them in bins and I was, and then I just go to a processing factory and they would bitch and whinge about something and it was just like, mm. do, like, and I remember doing it pregnant and I was like, do you guys realise like a human did that, like a, even a pregnant human, like yes. felt like that and then it just gets passed through too many hands and, and all that effort and hard work just gets a bit lost and that kind of would shit me a bit, so I felt like a lot of people actually like meeting the producer and the farmer. So, and there's a yeah. story, like a story tied to it. Like people would see me delivering like veggie boxes with a kid on the hip and the other one holding boxes and eggs and whatever. And I think people like that. So nice. that's where I think we need to change that gap. Like and then people realise farmers aren't not all farmers are out to make a quick buck and some actually do really care about you know what they're doing, what they're producing and how they're going about it. So I think that needs to change. I I think you've really brought up some interesting points there. I think the human element. I think that that is such a good way to connect with your customers mm. and that's such a good way to brand especially a smaller farm and stuff like that oh and then yeah. on the other side we've got i see it from two sides because yeah you can say like look you've got all this ai automation and stuff in agriculture yeah we're losing the human element and stuff like that but at the same time we're going to be able to feed people affordably yeah and i think like i'm lucky i buy the veggie box from organic angels yeah. i'm not sure if you know that one but yeah we get a miscellaneous box of organic veggies that come. Yeah, no. Because I want to limit the amount of um, pesticides and stuff like that I have. But at the same time, not everyone is in that luxurious position. No. Like I think some people need to buy the $2 loaf of bread. 100%. And that's just not possible. 100%. mm, With the small scale. No. And then, but then I think if we cut out agents and we cut out extra overheads, can Mm. we get the prices down as well? Like it's good point. I know what I mean. It's a catch twenty two. I totally get what you're saying. It's it's hard, but I I still think there's other you know there's more than one way to skin a rabbit. So that's it. I think I I another thing I enjoy. I think when we um, go straight to farms and producers, I think it helps even with building our community resilience. And I think that's super mm. important. 
so but like you said it probably is the price not everyone can afford but then in saying that I don't think my veggie boxes were were unrealistic but like I said it wasn't I find we've got to make things convenient for people that's that's mm. another thing. Not everyone wants to go to farmers markets or, you know, shop anywhere but Woolies and stuff like that. It's, it's all. Mm. Mm. You could spend hours talking about it. All really. <laughs> oh, it's a completely another topic. It isn't is, it? hey, and it's um, a rabbit hole. <laughs> a bit of a rabbit hole. But look, we talked last. We left off from the spring question. Mm. So, so how about summer? What does okay, summer, summer look like? So summer. <laughs> Summer's um, a lot of, so spring also will, um, I find if I don't get on top of my weeding come like Christmas, it can nearly just be like a game over. Right. Like it just gets too mad. I know this year because we had so much rain, it was really hard to stay on top of my weeds. I don't use um, any weed sprays as such. So I, I rely on obviously hand weeding using hose and stuff and weed mat as suppression so um that that's a pretty important thing to try stay on top of and then summer's mainly a bit of weeding but mainly harvest and keeping everything alive so Mm. still feeding things and watering but predominantly harvest so that's summer and autumn and then autumn's a little bit of winding down you're kind of over that hump, if that makes sense. So, so you've you've got a few different plants that are sort of flowering in. I don't know if it's early or mid spring, and then you'll sort of have the next succession yes. through the different stages of summer, and then there's always going to be something different popping up through spring to autumn. Is that right? Generally, yeah, because some things might yeah. still be planted out at the same time, but might take a long time till it's mm. ready. So. Yeah, trying to get like an overlap too is tricky. Again, especially with my short um, season. But um, yeah, it's it's all learning. You're always learning, and each season's different because of the weather. And then like you've got crop fails and hail damage, stuff like that. You just got to go with it, and again, that's why it's important for people to not be so set on certain varieties and stuff like that. Right, so there's too many variations at times. Like totally. I had a like you've only got to get a disease, say in your dahlias and stuff like that. I had a lot of tuber rots because uh, it was so wet here. I do grow on raised beds. Um, which I think helps for drainage, but like we had a lot of rain for us, so stuff like that. But that's just part of farming, isn't it? Just got to go with well, it. That's it. <laughs> just yeah. got to go with it. Yeah. I don't know about you, but I've got ADHD, oh, and yeah. yes, I plan things out in my little notebook app. But really, most of everything I'm planning sits in my head. <laughs> um, is that what you do, or do you have like Excel spreadsheets no, for what to plan? No. Um, you know what to harvest when, or <laughs> I should, but no, I do have. I call it the Oracle. So I have like a, um, <laughs> I have like a bit of a diary on what like stuff I've planted. So I kind of did to start with, um, just so more because I grow my own seedlings. How much I need of each variety? Who goes in what bed? 
But mm. no, I'm not really. I'd, that's another job though, right? So I, Yeah. <laughs> and you've seen how good I am with the computers. So no, a lot of it and then because it's just practice, right, you, like it just ends up you kind of got a fair idea. Obviously in your planning you allow for things to not work, like a certain percentage and stuff like that. But um, um no, I just wing it. I think I yeah, pretty much. And sometimes you doubt yourself too, don't you? Your ability. So you usually know more than you think. Um, but I think the Oracle was kind of too for my I thought I'd just write stuff down even for my kids if they wanted to have a bit of an idea on what things you know, stuff like roughly what and even just little things like how much um certain flowers produce and stuff like that so then you know hey I don't need as much as that because that's quite a prolific bloomer and stuff like that but a lot of that's just trial and error too isn't it so so when you say oracle I'm imagining it's like a glass crystal ball (laughs) and you like you should see it it. (laughs) it's rough is it it pen and paper or what is it it's one of you know the composition books you know the black and white or the red and white yeah and then it's got glued in things and coffee stains that's a dream board (laughs) no one would steal it because they'd be like oh what's that junk so (laughs) (laughs) they don't have the key (laughs) they have the key to decode it yeah that's it so um yeah and it's a i even like have glued in old stuff and it's funny i was actually i don't know where it is at the minute but i did have it the other day um, and it was interesting because I'd back when you actually, you know, better do a business plan. <laughs> the plan's not to have a plan. Um, some of the things I actually have, like, it still is what I kind of practice now, which was interesting because that was really, um, like early day stuff that I'd written down about, you know, marketing and stuff like that. And, yeah, I ended up doing it, so that's pretty cool. Hmm. There, it's something special when you ha- have a dream and then you see it in reality and you can look back and think about the times when you were dreaming about it. Yeah, I think you need to look back, but, hey, sometimes we're too right. far forward and then we kind of forget how well we've yes. done too. It's like you're too busy being hard on yourself or pushing too forward and sometimes you've got to sit back and just be an observer at times. Give That's yourself so a true. bit of credit, hey. That's legit, dude. Mm. Like the other day we had my parents-in-law down from Brisbane. This yep. is my wife's Kirsty's parents. Yep. And we went to canteen and I was like we go there regularly and every time I go there I just think back on that time when I thought about the podcast and we were yeah, nice. dreaming about it and just how far it you just come. makes you stop and it makes your brain stop and like slow down like you're not thinking about like oh how can I get that next angle yeah. what's that next opportunity enjoying like, what oh, you've I done a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Come on, high fives to me. Fuck yeah. High fives to both of us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Some days makes you wonder, but you do, though. You need to stand back and look at the picture a bit. It's hard because you're always present and in it, in in the heat of it all. I think that's quite a nice thing from being an annual grower too. You can sit back and go, wow, like especially when I grow like a cover crop, 
I'll have to show you a picture where you go from cover crop to like the full harvest stage. It's like magic. And it's like all that, all those steps and all my hard work and running around in a dressing gown and yelling at dogs and frozen pipes. It's like, and there it is. So sometimes you need, you do need to sit back and see that and go, yeah, I'm going all right. A hundred percent. I think this is probably a good time to ask this next question. What are some of the biggest struggles that come with the territory of floriculture? Uh, uh, what are they? The pests? Do you, is that a big deal for you? Or um, No, not, not like veggies were. Mm. I think if you... Do a little bit of research and grow things that are obviously like are going to work in your area too. Don't deliberately try and grow stuff that doesn't like it here. You're just pushing shit up a hill. Mm, right plant, right place. Yeah, it's going <laughs> it, well, to be stressed. Soon as something's stressed, that's when the other things are going to get it and it's mm. not going to be able to fight it. But um, no. I'm not too bad, but I think too that's important when you're not you're not growing like that monoculture where it's this big bulk mm-hmm. of one thing. That can be scary because that can just wipe everything with pests and disease. Um, whereas because I grow different varieties and different things and rotate, um, generally, like if it'll get. If you do get a disease, it hopefully will stay within an area. And also, you've so in horticulture and in landscaping, we're taught to plant lots of flowers for small insects, yes. uh, you know, as your natural enemies. So, yeah. you pretty much your crop is that. Yeah, well, other <laughs> like what attracts one bug will eat another bug and stuff like yes. that. So, and that's where I think is important with like varieties as well when you're looking at stuff like that like i said we're monoculture they'll just grow all the one thing mm-hmm. yeah so i'm not a huge on like um companion planting as such but that's just happening naturally yeah that's right it is i'm mindful but it's not like black and white in the oracle so <laughs> <laughs> do you know what i mean it's just something that well it's working with nature not against it so i think if you you know, you're not trying to, like, grow certain things that really don't like summer, prefer winter. Do you know what I mean? Mm. And stuff like that. Um, yeah, but yeah. that was another reason I found flowers a bit more suitable for me because of the um, – I found them a bit more pest-resistant maybe. Like, obviously, they still get things and we get aphids and – bugs and worms and grubs and whatever else but not too bad so probably too because flowers you take a lot of the foliage off so if if something eats the foliage well you're stripping it off anyway that Mm. makes sense whereas you get like a cabbage and you get a big grub mark (laughs) in it people are ugh. but then that can cause its own because flowers are so visual well, that's it, isn't it? It's like you can have the odd bunch for for brassicas or whatever, but you're not going to have the odd bunch for flowers. No, you don't have seconds, do you? <laughs> but that's another thing, actually. Like I, tr- 
I don't grow a big variety of, say, pastels or lighter colours because they show all the weather conditions. Right. You know, to keep a white or like a, a really light colour crisp isn't always the easiest. Interesting. You'll always see like 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 a brown mark or but then to me that's still lovely. Like maybe we've got to train ourselves that's still just as beautiful as something that's crisp, you know. But I don't want to take that away from people that can grow really crisp white flowers. So, (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, stuff like that, just to be a bit mindful of. Plus, I think bright colours are are my vibe and my marketing. So I tend to Mm -hmm. kind of gravitate towards that. So, yeah, I don't – what was the question again? What should – So it's so the question was, what are some of the biggest struggles? But it sounds like most of the biggest struggles are really in the planning. Yeah, well, like anything, right? As long as your prep's good, it makes everything else like run smoother. But as soon as you prep and you everything's a bit out of whack, so yeah, no, I try not to look at them as struggles. I try not to be worried about it. Put it that way. Just see it as a challenge and do your best to address it and move on. Was there ever a challenge where you just thought, oh, I won't do that again? <laughs> <laughs> Every day. No. <laughs> <laughs> Starting the farm. <laughs> yeah. Yes, leaving town. <laughs> yeah, sometimes. Like we were bathing a rooster because he had an abscess on his foot and I was like, I've had enough. I'm going back to town. <laughs> um, Yum. No. Um, no, I think I always do try to put in like wild cards. I always try and grow something that I've never heard of, I've never seen and stuff like that. But that's when I'll have lower expectations as well. Mm-hmm. So it might work or it might do something completely different. You're like, yeah, shouldn't have done that. But <laughs> I think we always need to have that in our business, a little section where we um, play and learn and stuff like that mm-hmm. um, without I the pressure. I definitely do that with the podcast. I'll yeah. tell you that. Yeah. I think it's important. Mm. I think I think it's a good thing. Mm. So, and it could also set you apart from other people. Mm. Um, or it might confuse the listeners. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Why not? <laughs> I did a. I featured an episode from the Branch Out podcast, which is the Royal Botanic Gardens of Sydney's podcast. Oh. It was about witchcraft, and I was like, I wonder how this is going to go because it was a really. Cool. I loved the episode. It was really interesting. Yeah, but I was. I was like, this is a horticulture podcast. I wonder how this is going to go. What type of witchcraft, though? It was just about like herbs and stuff. Yeah. Just about like a lot rituals of that goes and just into this. Lady. Your biodynamic farming. They use lots of. It's yeah. It's not classed as witchcraft, but it's it's different principles with the moon. See, I follow a lot of that. I bloody love it. See, I think it's really interesting because a lot of the things she said seemed quite rational and quite yes. normal. And I was like, here we go. So. Let's let's put out this title here and call it witchcraft and see if anyone actually listens and what thinks. What bites and... did you get? Um, it, uh, well, I wouldn't say it's the biggest performer, but yeah. you know, you never know how you touch people. That's right, and, and it doesn't hurt to get other people talking about different conversations. I reckon it gets yeah, the mind ticking so. and. 
thinking a different way. I think that's mm. pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. So you're doing the same thing with like throw off random plants you've never heard of. And, yeah. Okay, I do it more for out, myself but... too. And yeah. I think if you pull it off, like I said, and that's I try grow things that people can't buy at the markets as well. Like, and I think that's I thrive on that as well. That's my personality being like just discovering or well, new to me, you know, and experiencing things and observing things. That's my personality. But I think that is also that keeps you separate from other people and their businesses, which again, I think is important. Mm. So that's really true. It's yeah. your brand, right? Exactly. And I'm not into trends. So, mm. yeah. I don't want it to be like everyone else, so, and I don't think I am. <laughs> that's that's so a beautiful play thing on it, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, may as well play on it. Yeah. Exactly. That's your brand. You're unique. Yeah. So, can you tell us about your workshops? Ah, uh, yes. So, um, so we had Julia Rose. We had Julia Rose <laughs> here for workshops, which was fabulous. Um, Julia Rose does floral couture. Is that her real name, by the way? It Julia is. Rose. I didn't believe it. That's a coincidence. I know, right? I was like, that's your stage name. She's like, no, How no. about this? We've got Megan Flower is the um, CEO or something of Landscaping Victoria. Megan oh. Flower. It's I got ripped with the out. names. <laughs> Reeves, yeah. Yeah, and I'll, I'll, that's my married name and Clifford's my maiden name. So there's still... Clifford the Should big red someone dog. called Soil or something. <laughs> <laughs> Harry Soil. <laughs> Harry Soil. <laughs> I don't know. I'd oh, probably be judging and be like, oh, that's weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, um, um, yeah, brilliant. Love Julia. I, I really enjoy um, her style. I think it showcases. Um, flowers in a different way and I love that it's very different and unique and she's really cool to work with as well so it makes life easy um also do uh kids workshops where I teach them the the whole process of the the growing so we start from you know soil and compost up to sowing seeds then I teach them how to harvest and then arrange um and they're fun. Kids are fun. I really enjoy kids. They're um, mm. pretty straight up and down. <laughs> <laughs> so um, so looking at a bit different, same again, but I'm also actually looking at starting a summer school. So it'll be more aimed at kids. I know I think growing in general actually should be part of the school systems, um, not just left up to an enthusiastic teacher, but. I don't really want to delve into the educational system, so I thought I'd just start my own. Um, I know a lot of kids don't necessarily like, you know, after-school sport and stuff like that, so I thought I could offer Mm. term school, after-school activities, um, learning, But but not just flowers. I think there's a lot of skills, farm skills that, just skills in general that aren't being passed on anymore. So I'd be more than happy um, to teach kids different stuff. So, you know, doing services on the tractor and stuff. (laughs) I'm kidding. (laughs) 
<laughs> but uh, he's a um, free labor. Yeah, he's a spanner and he's a <laughs> ratchet there, drill. Do the oil. <laughs> <laughs> Who lost the oh, sump dear. plug? Look. <laughs> <laughs> Donuts in the van. No. Um, yeah. yeah, the summer school should be really good. Um, I'm actually really looking forward to that. Um, we will cover a lot of more of the biodynamic methods. I think that's um, quite fascinating, especially to younger kids. They seem quite open to that, mm-hmm. following the moon patterns as such. So that'll start uh, term four. So I'd like to learn more about this moon stuff. Would you ever be interested in having another chat about that? Do you reckon there's a whole I episode there? I actually have someone who I'd highly recommend. She's a very nice okay. friend of mine, beautiful. She's a, a flower grower as well, but she even, I'll give her a little pump here, she even um, has published, I think this would be her third year, might even be fourth year, she um, does a, so like your calendar. Like a growing calendar? Yeah. So, oh, okay, yeah. Um, but she does as a book and last year's was really good because she added like a journal section and it's really, really good um, based like anyone will understand it. Um, so it's like a calendar, so it's got your months, what you should be planting, when. So it's a really, really good guide. And then she's got, you know, where you add your own comments and stuff, and it's really, really good. And it actually promotes you to write down what you've observed as well. So you've got, you've, you know, got your info written down. But I'll send you her stuff. She's cool. the bee's name. So Phoebe, and she's What's put, her name, by the way, for the listeners? So... Um, Phoebe, but her bit, um, yeah, Camilla is her, um, name, but I'll pass, I'll pass on her details. She's down Victoria. She is. Yeah. So she's a biodynamic farmer as well. Yeah. Lovely. See, I've heard about the moon stuff. I just know nothing about it. It's like for even like just inquisitive people, do you know what I mean? It's Mm. pretty cool. And that's. A, a different. I think um, it's a nice way to get people. You know, not everyone's or a lot of people are sick of hip banging on about growing food and stuff like that. And that's where I think flower people. I think it, it could be an important time for the flower growers to kind of get people attracted back into growing. Even then, then people go back into growing food and stuff like that. But I think it's a nice way if people even just go towards flowers to help, you know, educate people on soil health and stuff like that. I think beauty matters. Like you can say, oh, yeah, flowers don't matter. I don't think that's true. Oh, I think, I think now's the time. I've said it for a little while now. I think mm. they're a bit underrated. I think um, just to encourage people back into growing, like I said, in land and soil management, yeah. I think it's a beautiful way. You know, like I said, and, and, and a lot of, you know, a lot of the backyard growing has been a bit flogged with the veggies and they're super important and it's great. But if people aren't into that or sick of it or had a go at it and failed or whatever, I think the flowers are a really good way to get people back. So that's where I think the flower growers are a little bit underrated. So, But you would say that, wouldn't you? Well, I've just noticed. Just well, yeah, of course. But I've noticed just with the the changeover, 
the more interest I've had from flowers than I did with veggies. So that's very interesting, you know. And and if you're gonna attract people, why not attract them and try educate them while you're doing it, you know, and and mm. get them then getting them back into, and then they grow might grow a flower and then go, oh hey, I might have a crack at growing a tomato this year and stuff like that. Mm. So yeah, that's how I how I see it. So do you have any advice? Let's just say someone's listening to this podcast right now. They're thinking, yeah. oh, geez, this Alana chick, she sounds pretty cool. I'd like <laughs> to live like that lifestyle. Yeah. Like what advice would you give someone, whether they want to work in a in a farm, someone else's farm, or whether they want to start their own farm and grow flowers? What advice do you have for someone entering the floriculture industry? Um, I th- Well, anyone especially who wants to start their own, I think, is good. I think um, we do import a lot to Australia and I think the more little growers, the better. The less imports we have, the better. I think, mm. I think you know, there's always going to be a time and place for imports and stuff, but I think we should be propping ourselves up a lot more than what we mm-hmm. do, supplying each other and stuff like that. So I, I highly encourage anyone Every little stem that they pump out into the public is better than something we brought over. Um, but just have a go. Why not? Like a lot of people think and talk about things but not actually do them and it's it's you can't, a lot of people overthink and then won't even try. So I think just have a go. Why not? Love that. Maybe also getting out to farmers markets and getting on social media as well. Yeah, just su- and supporting others and ask questions. A lot of yeah. people like to help other people. There is some people that won't, but I think majority of people are interested in other people in the industry. Everyone should band together and help one another. Mm. So, yeah, I think if you're thinking about it, just have a go. Start small. Don't start too big. You actually don't need a lot of room with flowers, which is another bonus especially on a like people that don't have a lot of land or water um yeah just have a go that's my theory love it so are there any resources or groups that you're a part of that you reckon are all right uh, i've kind of just got my private mates if that makes sense yeah so um, you've got your own little network of yeah and that's and been and- social media outlets have been probably the best for that because there's not a lot of us so at least you can reach other growers even though they're not in your area um you can still you can still keep in touch and just throw around ideas and stuff so that's pretty important Mm -hmm. so yeah so maybe if they follow alana reeves at (laughs) dunkeld farm on instagram and just sort of they can reach out to you right yeah 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 but no stupid questions. <laughs> I'm kidding. Oh, there's no such thing as a stupid question. I'm a <laughs> stupid <right>. people. <laughs> so, yeah. So, Alana, there's one more question I always like to ask my guests at the end of every episode. Mm-hmm. This doesn't have to be on topic. Is there anything else you'd like the listeners to know about? Um, just support local, I think. Support local mm. as much and, as you can. You know, and it doesn't hurt to get to know the farmers because feedback is as good as, like, positive feedback is good. 
as well as criticism, I suppose. Um, I know it is handy to know what people would like or want at times. So, um, yeah, you don't have to be, like, mean about anything, but it is nice to have communication between the farmer and the consumer. Um, yeah, I think, I don't know. I think that's about it. <laughs> yeah. So maybe if you've seen a flower or something on Pinterest and you're like, oh, I wonder if we can grow that, mm. maybe just tell your local grower that. Yeah, well, you could ask for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Just be like, hey, I've seen this. I like it. Have you ever heard of this flower? Is it possible to grow that in this yeah. area? Is that something you'd be open to? Yep. Thanks so much for a great episode, Alana. I appreciate your time. Hey. <laughs> Head to the Dunkeld Farm Instagram page if you'd like to see Alana's beautiful flowers, including some of the floral couture created by the famous Julia Rose. On hortpeople.com, the new job board I launched a couple of weeks ago, there's a category for floriculture and another for floristry. But the focus while I get the board off the ground is in the landscape and nursery sector. There are already a number of team leader roles up with some large companies that can provide security and the potential for career progression into management. I've made the salary office mandatory so you don't have to play the guessing game. And just remember that you don't have to commit to finding a new job to see what's out there. Check out hortpeople.com now. Links in the show notes. <laughs>